Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. My guest today is Jeremy LaRue. Jeremy is an entrepreneur in the financial industry, and he's currently in the process of building a successful company and is doing some amazing things in the financial industry. Please welcome Jeremy to the show, and everyone, thank you for joining us. Jeremy, how are you, brother? Hey, I'm doing good, man. How are you? I'm doing good. How's uh, how's uh, I guess the last past year been quarantine? <laughs> uh, lots of changes, you know. Like uh, we started out uh, in our business, which we'll kind of touch on later on in the show. Um, but we started out in business, doing pretty good. Things were going, things were rolling, and then all of a sudden, COVID hits. <laughs> You know, and then, uh, you know, things kind of shifted a little bit for us. So, you know, all in all, we're doing good. You know, really, um, last year has really affirmed to us what we actually want out of life. And just I think I think in general, it's really forced people to really reflect on their life and what is actually important to them. Right. So it's been good. You know, we're we're uh, we're doing some pretty cool things right now. I'm excited to talk about it. Well, I am excited to have you here. And that's one thing I've always said is that I, I hope that during this time, regardless of what people are going through, I hope they just reflect upon their life and actually see what they want. Because I think there's a lot of people who probably realize, man, I really hate my job <laughs> and I really hate going to work. I hate missing time with my family. And then a lot of people, um, either because of layoffs or because their business were shut down or because they had the option to work from home, really got to see and what they value. Hey, I got to spend time with my family and more productive. And Maybe there's gonna be a lot of shifts after this uh, this COVID pandemic's over. People maybe new careers, new hobbies, new side gigs, and and I also hope that people actually took stock of their health. I think that's most important because I think what we realize is that regardless of what we're doing for a living, that if we're not 100 functional and healthy, that we're not going to make it to where we want to go, regardless. So yeah, absolutely. You know, and and I think that the health thing is is a really important factor as well as like the mental health. You know, I think that right now, especially. I mean, we've been in this for what, almost a year, almost yeah. a year. And so really, I think that's where people are starting to take account is that is the mental health, making sure that, hey, am, am I able to go through my day to day stuff and am I taking enough time for myself? Right. And I mean, I think that's a that's an important factor people got to look at. So I'm honored to be on the show, though. I appreciate your time today and uh, excited to kind of share a little bit more about what we're doing and our story and that kind of stuff. Oh, man, I'm excited. Yeah, it's definitely been, well, definitely probably a year before it was since we hung out. So it's awesome that you're here. But I guess for people who don't know you, what what's your name? What do you do, Jeremy? (laughs) Sure. So my name is Jeremy LaRue. Um, I'm in the financial business. Uh, in the business of financial services distribution. 
and uh, we have a team. We're growing our team right now. So, I mean, a little bit of a backstory for me. So, I was born in Williams Lake, BC. Have you have you ever heard of Williams Lake before, Peter? No, I, I knew you. You're I knew you, Jeremy from Maclebish, Alberta, but not <laughs> Williams Lake. <laughs> yeah, so born in BC, and uh, you know, had a really good childhood growing up. Every single weekend, we'd be out doing things, uh, quadding in the mountains, and that kind of thing. Just really, if you look at my childhood, pretty much picture perfect. You know, like really can't complain, loving and supporting parents. Uh, but then we moved to Alberta back in 2006. And reason why we did that is because our whole family is pretty much from there. So just 20 minutes west of Lac La is a little town called Plamond in Alberta. <laughs> and uh, it's uh, my great, great grandfather that actually founded the town itself. Really? And uh, it's, uh, it's a pretty cool story. And uh, anyway, so the town itself is about 200 people. And uh, surrounding areas, about 2,000 people soaking wet. So there's really just a small town kind of feeling. Everybody knows everybody. And uh, it's interesting. It's interesting growing up in a small town like that uh, versus, you know, somebody who would grow up in a, in a big city. The dynamic is is really interesting. So Oh, 100%. I remember, you know, I'm born and raised here in Edmonton. I like to say I'm like one of the few people, like just people move around so much for work and family. Yeah. I'm born and raised here, and I'm off. I'm used to people driving basically like, like assholes, you know, going 10 over the speed limit. If you're not going for 10 over the speed limit, you're going so they're going to honk at you. I lived a year in uh, Nova Scotia in a little town called Kentville, and probably the same size of Plumaton. And yeah, I remember I was just going going to school, and I was just busting her down, down, down the road. I remember everyone was so slow, nonchalantly, no one's in a rush. Everyone was so friendly, they'll give you a shirt off your back. I'm like, wow. This is like a different lifestyle out here, and I absolutely loved it. And I, I just absolutely love the sense of community. I imagine that, like when you grew up, there's a probably a huge sense of community. Everyone was probably willing to help one another. Oh, one hundred percent, man. Like you said, it's it's that concept of hey, I'll give my shirt off my back to you. You know, it's 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 all about that community and helping each other, giving a helping hand. And uh, it's just we're a big community. We're just there to to help and support each other, right? So it's. Uh, yeah, I mean, like for for myself, really coming out of high school, there's a couple of different things you can do in a small town. Yeah, right? <laughs> you can you can either uh, you know take over the family farm if it's big enough, which yeah. we didn't have a big family farm. Uh, Grandpa just had a small small farm there, and then either that or you can go to Edmonton or, or another city and go to college, university, get a diploma or degree, or you can go into the oil field. And, uh, you know, that's what I did. I followed the oil field path. I got into trades, got into heavy duty mechanics and uh, did that for about five years. So um, I, I, I did it until it didn't become it, it came more of a hobby than a real passion. You know, so then it, it kind of came to a point where I was looking for something different. And, and I just felt that I didn't have that fulfillment. You know, I, I, I felt like I wasn't able to to serve people and to help people the way that, that I wanted to. So then I started kind of making a, a transition into law enforcement, actually, out of, out of all things. And, and the reason why I wanted to do that is because I wanted to help people who needed help from someone else to get out of whatever the situation that they were in, right? And so I, I pursued that for a little while. And then through that process, I came across... Uh, the business that we're in today um, through my brother, actually, who introduced me to the company. So, you know, it's been a, it's been a crazy journey up to this point. Oh, I, uh, I, I can see that for sure. And you mentioned serving people and how you just wanted to be of service to someone and help someone. And 
I imagine, you know, you probably had some influences to make that decision because not, not everyone wants to serve people. Not everyone wants to be in a position to be, be the person who is responsible for someone's life. And you mentioned that you had like a picture perfect childhood growing up. And, you know, I met your parents a couple of times and you, your family is like almost like a, the movie, movie picture esque type of family where like, it's like too good to be true. Everyone's like buddies <laughs> hanging out and your, your family is like the type of family, like you know those awkward, awkward family photos. I see like your family, like so close is doing some type of like that, just these crazy family photos. And so like, I imagine like you mentioned your brother helped you get into the business that has your family just always been a big influence, a big part of like some values and some reasons why you do what you do? Oh, huge. I mean, the reason why I am where I am today and how I think and, and who I am as a person, it, it all comes down to my family and really it all comes down to my parents. I mean, you know, with uh, a couple of key principles and some values that they taught me. So my dad, you know, he was all about working really hard, but working smart, right? So he, he taught us to have a great work ethic, but also to know how to work properly and to work smart and then to do the right thing every single time. Right. Like I'll give you an example. When he was younger, uh, when I was younger and we'd be helping him in the in the uh, carpentry shop and we'd be making, I don't know, a piece of furniture. And uh, it would be the most solidly made piece of furniture ever because he would always make sure to do the right thing every single time so that he wouldn't have to go back and fix anything. Right. And so that's just kind of a one of the many examples that I could think of, 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 you know, the, the strategies and the concepts and the, and the values that my dad poured into me. And then with my mom, you know, she just really taught me to just be genuinely kind to people. You know, she really taught me what it means to be a man and, and also like how to treat women properly. And, uh, you know, I think that kind of society has kind of gone away from that a little bit. And, and, uh, you know, we need to, we need to realize that we need to use our, our values of what we've been brought up with and bring them along with us in our journey. So I feel our parents are somewhat similar in, in regards to what they taught us. My father is the same one. He was a uh, military for 40 years in reserves and he worked construction. So he was a uh, definitely a hard ass, but yeah, he said to make sure he's like, make sure you work your ass off, work your hardest, do the best job you can. My mom, same thing. She's like, treat people with kindness, be respectful. And same thing, I, I carry that through my life. And I think too often people, you know, they only take account of their experiences and their perspective and their values without like, accounting for other people's. And then they disregard other people's feelings sometimes or values and the lines get crossed. And you mentioned, you know, you know, you just shift from law enforcement. You want to be of service to people. And we chatted before, I think a month, a month or so ago, and you mentioned, hey, you, were, you had your application for the police force for a couple of years now, but then you just realized and kind of made a shift that, hey, I'm not, I don't want to be in the police force anymore. I kind of want to actually dedicate my my services and my life to the financial industry. So kind of how did that shift or maybe that transition come about? Like, when did you make that switch? Was it like a light bulb all of a sudden? Was it, you know, a couple of months of planning? Yeah, it's a good question. It was more so just that intuitive feeling that you get that it was like, you know, I've, I've gone through the steps and I, I've been through that that process um, in the police service, the process, it's about an eight step process. And at the end of it, really, I just, uh, you know, it was that intuitive feeling that, you know what, what I'm doing in our business right now is what I'm meant to be doing on a full-time basis, not just a part-time basis because of what it's going to allow to do for number one, for family, to be able to take care of our family long-term. I mean, 
the reality is right now that myself um, and my brother, we have some family members who aren't able to retire today, you know, and, and I want to be able to help them achieve that goal and actually give them a shot at retirement. And it's really not so much about about me. It's more so about everyone else that I'm going to bring with me. And, and Sandra, you know, my spouse, you know, we're doing this business together and are really it's it's all about who are we bringing along, you know, and helping them to develop and grow and, and get to the next level of their life and being, you know, giving them a platform so that they can actually help other people grow and that they can help their families, right? But the thing that you also have to remember is that you can't help other people until you help yourself. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. It's like the ox. I think it's the oxygen mask theory you have on planes. You know, they always tell you that if the plane's going down, you make sure you put your mask on first because if you don't, you could pass out. And you're passed out. You can't help your family members put their mask on, so you're not used to anyone. And I think the thing with police, you know, it's a great career. Yeah, you can have great income. You can have obviously amazing benefits. But the thing is, is like one of those careers that you don't know if you're going to come home after your shift because you never know who you're going to come across. I think it may be more so in the States, but you just never know. And especially um, because I just finished my advanced first aid course. We had to do like an opioid section. And there's a thing called uh, carfentanil, which is about, I think, only like three or four grains of it is overdose. It's that point. And I know a lot of police officers pull people over. Deadly, man. And then you can be knocked out. And yeah. And with uh, the financial industry, um, you mentioned you know helping fa- people retire and get to retirement. Then it's pretty interesting. You know, it's like, like health where we have the most information, the most access to fitness and gyms and nutrition. But it's like more people are overweight now than ever. And then same thing with fi- finance. There's a lot of education. You know, maybe it's more skewed to the more wealthy people currently. You know, I know your company is is dedicated to help serving the middle income families and at least educating them to what's possible. And again, there's a lot of information out there, but yet the debt ratio is more than so than ever been. And I think the last time I checked, the savings ratio is less than 5% of people's incomes is going to retirement. So I guess for your firm and what you do, what's kind of like your approach to, I guess, first of all, educating families? Yeah. So basically like what we do essentially is we offer the top financial products and services that the wealthy have access to. And we give those to the middle-class income Canadian, essentially, right? I mean, you know, we, we, we're we all about the education, the process of educating people. And I mean, you hit the nail on the head, Peter, you know, there's not a lack of financial institutions, but there is a lack of financial education, right? I mean, and, and that's where we come in and we sit down with a family, you know, across the, the computer screen as yeah. of right now, and we just show them, we lay out the buffet, we show them, hey, this is what you actually have available to you in the Canadian financial system. And uh, nine times out of 10, people don't know what they actually have available to them. And so we lay out the buffet and then through that education, they're going to they're gonna say, hey, actually, I want to help. You know, I want some help with this or I want some help, uh, you know, with that. And then we custom and personalize um, our approach so that it fits the needs of them and, and their family. So, I mean, ultimately, it's all about the education and just providing that higher value to to the consumer. And I think that's what people are, are looking for. So I think like from the 50s to towards 2000s, it's all about brick and mortar, the family-owned businesses, that family experience where you go into a store, you feel like you're a part of the family, they treat you so kindly. And then obviously you got 
kind of shifted towards the, you know, the brand names, the higher end things. And I think now, I think people are in such a technological world, people are craving that, that feeling of trust that, that you're saying now with a, not only an advisor, but a friend, someone who actually cares. And I think that's why your firm is, you know, growing the way it is, is because people want that experience. And for the uh, financial plans that you see when you sit down with families, what's a typical maybe hole in someone's boat in terms of their financial plan? Yeah, um, a lot of it has to do with uh, severely underinsured, and also they're just they're they're spending more money than they're saving, right? Like they're stretching themselves too thin, and I think that's a common theme. I mean, if you look at someone who works in the oil field, you know when the oil field's booming, usually they make pretty decent money, usually six figures plus. But then if you look at their financial situation, you know, they have the fancy truck and the fancy quads and boat and the house and they have all the toys, but they have zero save for retirement. And, and, and that's not their fault. That's not a knock on them. It's just they weren't properly taught how to manage their finances. Right. And so, again, that's where we come in and, and we teach people how to do that. So. Yeah, I, I tend. I would agree with you. I think because you know, at, when we grow up, we want the nice cars, we want a nice truck, you want to be take your sweet out for nice dinners and do whatever. And when you have the money, and without the proper education, you know, my my guess, I guess negative side for the education in schooling is the, there was a Calm program, which is a Korean life management program, and I took it in grade ten in summer school. When I probably wasn't even thinking about the future, I was focused on sports and hanging out and girls. And again, it was a part of a course of life management, but in my opinion, it should be a mandatory class in grade 12 as just a financial literacy course because there's so much to know. And the only thing they teach is really how to have a budget and balance a checkbook. And I never use a checkbook in my life, right? I don't even know how it works, <laughs> right? So there's so much people getting left behind and I know, I think, you know, I was in the financial industry for a bit and had a license. And one thing that surprised me, you probably had some similar experiences. I sat down with a young gentleman in the oil field and he said, you know, he's a trades guy through and through, loves the trades, loves the work. And I think he must have been 22. He had one debt, which was a truck, 100 grand debt, just the truck. And I asked him, like, how'd you get in there? He's like, every time I walk into a dealership, they asked me if I wanted the newest model with the upgrades. And I said, yes. And again, no one's there to educate him. Hey, you can have the truck in the future if you save your money and do it properly. But no, they, people just do this. And it's, I think you mentioned as well is uh, the debt is high and people are spending more than they than they probably earn. And it's pretty funny. How many, you probably got a decent amount of uh, phone calls from credit card companies, but no phone calls from savings companies. Yeah, absolutely not. And, uh, you know, the banks aren't going to call anybody up and say, hey, let me save you $20 a month on your, you know, your auto insurance or whatever the case is. Like they're not going to be reaching out to you. Right. And so, you know, us as a, as a company, we pride ourselves on actually following up with our, with our clients, you know, and our, and our customers. And because obviously as years progress, you know, things change in people's lives. Right. So we gotta, we gotta, you know, follow up with them and making sure that what they have in place right now is, is still the right thing for them in, in the future. Right. So. And you mentioned, you know, that the banks aren't going to call you necessarily. And I guess just to clarify, what's the main difference or some differences between you and traditional banks? Banks, you know, great products, great people, nothing. Again, nothing bad about the people that work there. But sometimes I think if you only have one product or one type of product to offer, 
you can, you'd be limited to how you can service people. So kind of how do you differentiate from the traditional banks? Yeah. So just like what you said, you know, with the banks, they, they only typically have their own products, right? And they kind of fit everybody into that same kind of category versus us. Uh, we are a broker, so we're able to broker and source out to many different companies. We don't own any of our own products and, and really we don't want to, right? So essentially what we do is we have all these major financial companies investment companies, insurance companies, et cetera, that are essentially competing for our client's service, for, for our client's business, right? And so through that, we're able to get them, you know, reduced rates, you know, and we have access to investment firms. We're able to get our clients really good rates on, on their investments, right? Because we're literally taking the middleman out and we're bringing our clients to the same investment firms as what the banks would have access to. Except for we're not going to, you know, keep all the profits for ourselves. We're actually going to give all the profits to our clients, if that makes sense. It does. Because I think from from my understanding, you know, traditionally, most advisors or some advisors, you know, they'll put you in either a high interest savings account or a, a GIC, a guaranteed investment uh, certificate there. Mm-hmm. And you'd make maybe, say, three, let's say three, four percent, some many cents. But what's actually happening, from my understanding, is that the banks are investing in a portfolio or a fund that does 10, 15%, 20%. They give you your 3%, but they pocket the rest. Exactly, right? And that, and that's the difference. That's in terms of like from an investor perspective, that's like the main difference for us, right? It's like we're not pocketing those high returns and those profits. We're, we're, we're giving that direct access to, to our clients in order to get those those preferred rates. And of course, this is all based on what people's investment and retirement goals are, right? Everybody has different goals. And so, I mean, it, it's it's all relative to to what you want to accomplish, right? So. 100%. And with insurance, you mentioned, you, you mentioned that there's a ton of people who are underinsured, who don't have enough insurance. And and too often times, you probably see GoFundMe pages on Facebook, social media. And I, I, I believe... You know, GoFundMe is a good tool to have. It's I'm glad it's out there because people can either have side projects, maybe some businesses that they want to start up and people can pitch in if they believe in the idea. But I don't believe it should be someone's main, I guess, source of protection or money if something were to happen. Yeah, I agree. I mean, really, you know, a GoFundMe account is is like you said, it has it serves its purpose, but it, it shouldn't be it shouldn't come to that, essentially, you know. And I'll tell you a little bit of a story here. So uh, you know, my grandma, uh, she was diagnosed with cancer a couple times and right now, uh, she's on her third run of cancer. So, but, uh, the advisor that they sat down with about 20 years ago, uh, they, he just didn't do a proper job of setting her up with some, some crooked illness insurance. Right. And so what ended up happening is the first time that she actually was diagnosed, uh, they had to sell the house off because, uh, you know, that money needed to be used for medical expenses and medical bills. And so, Really, one of the things that I'm so passionate about and the reason why I'm in this industry is because I was 15 years too late. I was in the industry 15 years too late. And, you know, had I been there, she wouldn't have had to sell off her house if she didn't want to, right? She would have actually had 
a way to have access to that money so that she would be able to pay for her bills and that sort of thing. And so I tell people that, you know, when I'm sitting down with someone, when I'm explaining to them these concepts and strategies, it's not for me, it's for them. And I treat them as though they would be my grandma sitting across from me, you know, and, and I'm just so passionate about helping people in, in that way. So sorry to hear about your grandma. It's all good, man. It's all good. That's tough. And yeah, it's, it's, it's sad, you know, just like, when the economy crashes, you see a ton, tons of oil field people. I know it's a common, uh, common example using oil field people, but you know, there's a reason why it's a stereotype. Alberta, yeah. <laughs> but a lot of people, when they the economy crashes, they sell their truck, they sell their skidoos, whatever toys they bought, and sell their homes. And same thing, if someone has an illness, they have to either to maybe take out a loan or a line of credit to go travel somewhere to get treatment. And thankfully, we're not in the states where everything costs money, even just to go see a doctor. You know. But uh, yeah, you know, I think shout out to Angela, by the way, Bradford, um, someone we kind of know in the, in, in, the in your huge, office. Huge shout out to her. Um, she she had coverage and she originally thought it was stupid to have coverage. She was fairly young, you know, I think young, maybe young, mid 30s. Yeah. Healthy. Early 30s. And got coverage, critical illness coverage. And once she got covered, once she got diagnosed with, uh, it's not, is it Parkinson's? It's no. Like MS. MS, sorry. Yeah. And hundred grand check cash that she, now she could do her treatments wherever I see her in what Arizona now doing whatever it's crazy but thank God that once someone spoke to her and got the coverage in place you know I'm a young guy I'm I'm not don't <laughs> hey Siri we're not talking to you <laughs> um, Siri go away <laughs> but you know I have coverage and one and and you probably see this uh, on notice as well being younger and getting coverage now. It's cheaper. <laughs> oh yeah, and I mean, obviously, I'm not here to to do an insurance pitch or anything <laughs> like that. It's not what the show is about. That's not the goal here. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, getting getting the insurance while you're young, while you're healthy, because you just don't know what can happen in the future. You know, like you're young and you're healthy, and all of a sudden, bang, something happens, and then you can't you can't get that type of coverage. Well, wouldn't you have rather had it before when you were young and healthy and in the best shape of your life, right? So that's what I always tell people, especially you know, a young person who has that mentality of I'm invincible. You know, uh, I feel that way too. But guess what? I know what can happen when things do go wrong. So I want to make sure that I talk to. Uh, you know, you young people out there to make sure to get coverage in place now when you're your youngest and healthiest self. And you'll thank yourself, you know, 10, 20, 50 years down the road. Yeah, life, I, I, I think life almost like a lottery in, in some respects that you just never know when your time is going to be called to, to pass away or to get sick. But just sometimes just your number gets called and then boom, you got cancer. Boom, you're on life support and your life's about then just randomly and Sometimes the most healthy people who don't who don't expect it can get an illness. So it's sad. It's sad to see. And and you mentioned your grandma is a big reason of why you're in the industry. And and so with your and you said also that you want to serve people, you want to help people retire and actually retire properly with enough money. What are some, I guess, other drivers or maybe reasons and like a purpose of why you're doing what you're doing? Yeah. So it's all about you know creating that basically that opportunity and that platform for other people you know because it's not about me it's about we and it's bringing that people on board into the business that actually want to build a business for themselves and their family and creating you know passive income for themselves down the road and, and being able to 
help themselves and their families get to where they want to go. And I mean, I think a, a big thing that's really important to talk about that no one ever talks about is dreams and goals. Nobody really talks about dreams anymore. And so let's get them talking about their dreams and let's actually help people get to their dreams and realize their dreams. And we have a platform that can do that. I mean, we're talking about um, uh, like a, a billion dollar company payroll of a billion dollars this year, you know, in an industry over a billion, like a huge, huge, it's the, it's the biggest industry in the world. And so we're offering this billion dollar opportunity to people to go and change their lives for them and their families. And really the barrier of entry is not, is not very high whatsoever. So I wish it was higher. Yeah. And I think, I believe how your company is structured around is similar to like the real estate industry where, you know, there's someone who can open their own office, who's a broker. And maybe if they want to train agents like Remax does, or just what I guess Remax is a more prevalent company out there for real estate. And there are some firms that do the same thing, but you're able to start people off, I think, outside the industry and just train them. And basically they can, if they like real estate, if they want to go sell 20 homes, they can, if they just want the education information, they can do that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We're very paralleled with the, the real estate industry. Remax is a really good example, you know, so with Remax, uh, you have realtors that sell houses and you have brokers that have realtors that sell houses. And uh, for us, it's very similar concept. The business model itself is very similar. Uh, but the big separator between us, like real estate and car sales, any kind of sales job really is we have those those residual incomes, right? So essentially, every time that someone keeps a you know a product in place every single year, and as long as us as the you know the advisor or the broker follows up with our clients, you know we're paid a residual income, so we're not having to you know chase a client. Right. Because when you when you're in car sales, you're always having to look for and I'm not knocking car yeah. sales whatsoever. I think it's you know, it's important, it's needed. People people need to sell cars, people yeah. need to get to point A and point B. But uh, you know, in order to when you have that plan in place and it keeps building that residual, right? So I mean eventually people can build up some residual income where you know, it's paying them regardless of if they're working. And I'm I mean ultimately that's the goal for anybody is to make money while they're sleeping. Right. I think I think that's some, uh, you know, a, an aspiration for most people. Right. Well, I, I think you asked 100 people if they want free money while they're sleeping. I think 100 people would say yes. Or if the one doesn't, maybe they're high or drunk or just out of the loop. <laughs> but and I think the separate is, again, not to real real estate. People need homes. You want to have a nice home to live in. I guess people don't necessarily need cars, but they want a reliable vehicle that they want. And again, same thing probably with car sales. They do have to do a lot of chasing and you have to all constantly call people for upgrades on the vehicle, service packages, whatever. And I think the separator um, with your company, because again, I've been in your company. I can speak highly of what you, what, what you guys do 100% is the products that you put in place for people. And I can only speak for the office we work at because, again, it's a huge industry, a lot of different advisors out there with different styles. But you guys actually put procs in place that meet the client's needs and wants that they actually will use and utilize. And I think that's a big separator is that the reason why you can have such a great residual income, from my understanding, is that the people actually use these products, need the products, 
And it's not just a, maybe, again, not just a vehicle that they bought for 80 grand that maybe they can't afford right now. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, kind of shifting gears a little bit and kind of uh, distancing ourselves a little bit from like the, the financial talk and that kind of stuff. I mean, I, I got a question for you, Peter. What, what do you think a thought is? Like, what's the basic concept of, of a thought? What's the mindset behind that? Thought. That's we're, we're, getting, we're getting deep. Getting deep. We're, getting, <laughs> we're getting deep. Uh, I don't know. What, what, what is a thought? So really a thought is just the series of asking and answering questions. So right now, I, like I was telling everybody earlier in the show is that mental health, right? And really, you know, it all comes down to our thoughts, right? And so if we want to change our thoughts, well, we just have to ask a different set of questions and we'll get a different set of answers, right? And so that's going to help people get out of, you know, whatever mental funk that they're in, right? Because our, our thoughts are literally the essence of, of who we are as a person, right? Our thoughts lead to our actions, right? Well, first they lead to the words we say, and then they, they lead to the actions, right? So, you know, diving into that a little bit more is then creating those habits, right? And so in terms of you know, there's there's really an easy five-step process that you can implement it right away in your life in order to create like a long-lasting habit. And this is something that, you know, I struggled with for, for quite a while is like how to actually create a lasting habit in your life. Mm -hmm. You know, I think a lot of people, myself included, that would, you know, start this new habit and then be consistent with it for a little while and fall off. Yeah. And when things kind of got a little bit more challenging in our lives, we kind of revert back to whatever we were, you know, the habits that were like hard ingrained into our subconscious. But how do we create new neural pathways? And I mean, the first step to that is just having that awareness level. Having the awareness that whatever habit that you're doing right now is just not serving you, right? And, and that's the first step. Second step is to interrupt that pattern of limiting belief and gain leverage over it. So, you know, there's, there's two main things that we do what we do. And the two main things is pain and pleasure, right? So... For example, if you're going to sit down and play video games, you're probably going to get some pleasure. You're going to get a dopamine hit from that, right? 100%. And so us as human beings, we do what we do every single day based on those two things. So if you want to change that habit, you need to attach a lot of pain to that limiting habit, that habit that's not serving you, okay? Uh, and then the third step is the interruption, like I talked about. So interrupting. So let's say, for example, that I'm overweight and I'm sitting at a restaurant and I'm overeating and I'm telling myself that I'm overweight. What if I jumped up onto the chair, pointed at where I was sitting and call myself a big fat pig and yell it as loud as I can in public in the restaurant? Obviously, that's not going to happen right <laughs> now, but you can imagine it. Well, what do you think that's gonna do? Well, it's definitely gonna. Well, it's definitely gonna shock you a little bit. Like, wow, I just got called a big fat pig, and it's maybe, gonna maybe shock. It's gonna shock your pattern, yeah. right? It's gonna shock the pattern, 
And then that allows you to actually create that new habit. So that's step four is creating that new habit. And then step five is just reinforcing the habit through neural pathway conditioning. And everything that I want, what I'm saying to you right now, pretty much all comes from Tony Robbins' book, Awaken the Giant Within. Uh, it's an amazing book. It's literally changed my life. And, and, you know, the concept and the strategies, the thing that I love about this book is that it's completely and utterly, you can actually implement these concepts and strategies right here, right now, today. You know, it's not this, this fluff or this, you know, uh, you know, just these, think positive. Yeah, these these concepts that like it's great, but you can't actually. It's not a tangible, mm-hmm. applicable concept that you can use on a on a day to day basis. And so, really, the thing that I was missing was step five. I wasn't reconditioning my my new habit, right? And so, it, and you recon you can recondition your new habit through a reward system, right? So that reward system could be anything. It could be you know having a nice glass of wine at the end of the day, right? It could be, you know, treating yourself to, to, you know, a meal that you like, whatever the case is. But then also the other thing too, is that you have to be able to, you know, change the reward system because when it's the same thing over and over and over again, what happens is that it becomes normal Mm -hmm. and, and you expect it, you expect it. And so normal for humans is boring. Yeah. Right. And then from there, then what would happen is you would slip back into your old habits. Right. And so for me, applying those five steps has really enabled me to actually create habits that are lasting. And I think a lot of people really can use that information, you know, to be able to create lasting habits right now. I'll, I'll, I'll agree. Again, people have uh, right now, I think, not, I'll, 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 I can't say if it's 50 50 or not or what percentage, but I know during the lockdown, initially people are obviously may drinking a bit more, may having, having some, some, some of the devil's lettuce or whatever a bit too excessively, and you know, they got maybe too lazy, overweight. And I, I think a classic example, because you mentioned there's five steps. So let's, let's say, like, we use a, you're eating at a restaurant, you're, you're, you're fatty, you're overweight. <laughs> and so you first initially become aware, hey, I'm a kind of a fat pig, I need to get in shape. So then, yes, so from there, how would you kind of start the process of kind of going to the gym? Cool. So I guess if, if we're using that example, again, it's those easy five steps. It's like, okay, first I, I'm, I'm aware that, you know, overeating is not serving me and I'm, you know, I'm getting overweight. The second part again is that pattern interrupt or sorry, gaining leverage over, you know, overeating. So, I mean, you could attach a lot of pain to overeating by saying like, you know, you could look at yourself and say, Hey, if I continue on this path 10 years from now, I'm going to have major health problems. I could have a heart attack. You know, those are sort of things. So then you're gaining leverage and associating a lot of pain to that habit that's not serving you anymore. Third thing again is that pattern interrupt. And we gave the example already. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, <laughs> I'm not gonna repeat it. Don't want to beat a dead horse. But um, and then and then the fourth thing is creating that new habit and just being because you've gone through the work of identifying, interrupting, and leveraging. Now you can allow yourself to actually create that new habit. Yeah, a hundred percent and. You mentioned that people too often or revert back to their old habits or 
their habits that don't serve them that they're negative and i think sometimes it's because you no know, jim's a classic example and people can relate to it is people again this past year new year's revolution resolutions people are like hey this is the year i'm gonna lose 10 pounds i'm gonna get in shape and then they go from not working out at all to trying with the gym five days a week for two hours a day then they quit because it's too hard they're sore and i think a big thing is is and again attaching pain and pleasure there's there's no enjoyment you know I, th- I believe that there has to be at least some enjoyment to the process that you're doing or it's not going to last you know yes you can wake up at six but if you don't find any pleasure in it or don't try to find a way to make it enjoyable well obviously you're not going to stick with it and i think have you read um or you know the book atomic habits by james clear uh, I've heard of the book, but I haven't read it yet. That's on my yeah, list. Yeah, I haven't read it. I only listened to a podcast he was on, so I got the Cliff's notes. But he kind of broke it down, saying, like, for example, going to the gym and saying, instead of going to the gym five days a week for two hours, maybe start very simply for some people to start by every day at the same time, putting your gym clothes on and driving to the gym. And again, it's like reinforcing that neural pathway that every time of this day I'm going to the gym, and eventually you can build upon those habits. And he didn't mention that sometimes that's the voice in our heads that can get us down hey i'm not good enough or i never done this before so what makes me think i can do it then you mentioned you know asking questions better questions and of course it takes work you know it's not gonna be as easy as people think to change those voices in their head and everyone gets those negative thoughts um no one's perfect but uh what are some tips and strategies for you know maybe your mental health or mental toughness that you can either ask better questions or kind of get in a better state yeah i mean you know in terms of getting into a better state the thing that I would tell people, and again, like I'm not perfect and I'm not an expert in this field, uh, you know, but I do know some things through, through, you know, my journey in business and personal development, everything like that. And, and I would, I would ask someone what their most pleasurable life experience was. And then I would tell them, go back to that place in your mind and relive that experience. And that right there is how you get into a peak state. You you relive that experience, that joyful memory. If it was your wedding day, you know, the day that your first child was born, whatever that, that memory, whatever that moment was in your life, go back, relive it, revision it as though you were right there in that room. And then that's gonna allow you to go to a state of mind of bliss. And that's going to allow you to enter that peak state. And is there a, I mean, a specific memory or memories or examples that you maybe you use either on a daily basis or weekly basis that's like, hey, like this makes me happy. Like I'm going to go get it today. Uh, the day that I met my spouse. Ooh. And I'm not just saying that because she's sitting <laughs> right beside me. You know, we're not we're going to not collecting brownie points here. But yeah, no, the day that I met my spouse, I just kind of go back to that that memory and uh you know, it's just, it was honestly, it was the most amazing day of my life, you know, because I went through, you know, my journey to find, you know, for us to find each other. And, uh, you know, it, it was just, it was amazing, you know, so it's, it's a special memory for me and, and it gets me so excited and it gets me so fired up for, for what we're doing in our life and, and where we're going. That's great, man. And it's awesome that you found someone before the lockdown because it's pretty tough out there. I'll tell you what, you can't meet anyone with face masks on. It is tough. It doesn't, <laughs> doesn't work. Don't try. <laughs> Stay away from so that. So it's good though. But yeah, I think that's so important because again, too often, as you mentioned, we, we have these dreams and goals. I think most often out of high school, you know, when I, when I was thinking about coming out of high school at the time, I was 
had a high school sweetheart. I thought we were going to marry at 24. And I was going to be in business. And obviously, life goes to different directions. But I think some of these visions that we had when we're younger, um, either because maybe a job that pays well, we take because we're making tons of money. Or maybe, you know, I think often parental influences. A lot of students, people go to school, have no idea what they're taking, but they're in school for four years with lots of debts. And for some reason, that's like the only debt that doesn't get erased. We file for bankruptcy. So that's that's funny there. But and then we just get to rail off our path. And then, you know, I had a pivotal moment. I'm not an old, I'm not an old guy. I'm 26. You know, so I, I, try, I try to reinforce it because people say, oh, you're not that old. I'm not trying to say well, but this past year for myself, and I'm not sure, let me know if you had this thought, but I woke up one day and I was actually 26. It was the weirdest feeling I had. I, I wasn't the 18 year old that I thought me, I thought maybe I was trying to have that feeling again from 18 to 26 that I like doing certain things. But I woke up when I was 26 and I actually thought like, wow, my parents are, is they're actually this old now. And my, these people are at this stage of their life. And I looked and like, what am I doing with my life? Have you ever had that, like that moment where like, I'm not that young kid anymore. I'm actually growing older. And yeah, uh, especially this year. So I, I'm 24. So I've got quite a few years ahead of me, knock on wood. But uh, especially after I turned 24, and also a big factor in that is my spouse. She's about nine years older than I am. <clears throat> so, and of course we have goals together. We want to have kids, you know, we want to get married. And, uh, you know, obviously there's that, there's that biological clock that's ticking. So I have that, that in the back of my mind every single day that, Hey, let's get going, you yeah. know, let's, let's get things going. Let's, uh, you know, let's make something happen. So every, every single day, every single day, I have that thought. But that is a thought that drives me. And, and it's nothing negative. It pushes me it doesn't to weigh become, you down, right? doesn't weigh me down. It lifts me up. And it pushes me to be my best self so that I can create a life that will allow us to actually achieve our goals. That's awesome. First of all, I'm going to say, Sandra, you don't even look 33. I would never have guessed that. Wow. What kind of skin products? Early do you 20s, use? bro. Jeez, she looks early 20s. Yeah, give me I your mean, skin product crazy. list. I need that. Jeez. I'm a, I'm a lucky man. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. And I think also, too, you know, especially with a spouse, I think you need to surround yourself with good people. Because, again, yes. we have long-term we have long -term friends. And, and sometimes, you know, sometimes people don't change. You know, they're... It's like the classic um, football guy wearing his Letterman jacket, reliving his high school plays. Like, I was the man. I was the quarterback. and still in the same hometown. And, you know, I think you need to have your um, group of people that support you. And I think it has to be a combination of people because, you know, I think we also need that one person who we trust who's going to be super honest with us. You know, yeah, I, always absolutely. I always shout this person out, um, Kevin. Shout to Kevin Rogers. But he's, yeah, super, Kev. he's super honest. Like, if I'm a bit overweight, he'll tell me, Peter, you can't a bit overweight. Like, he's not afraid to tell me, but it's because we have that trust. We support each other and what we're doing in our lives. But he's able to tell me that. I think we need to kind of balance that. But we definitely need a core group of people who support us, who influence us in the right direction. And sometimes it's going to be people in our industry. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as you well, as you know this very well, Peter, I mean, you know, you're the average of the five people you hang around most, right? And so it's all about who you're hanging around with. And, you know, to your point of someone who's reliving the past and, you know, in the glory days, quarterback of their football team and, and, and always constantly talking about, man, 
wasn't it it was great when this was happening and this and that and and if you're surrounding yourself with people that have that mentality and that are talking like that you're gonna stay stuck in the past yourself right so my advice to somebody who has people in their lives that are stuck in the past is you know with within a within obviously to your own discretion is is take those people out you know eliminate those people from your life cut those ties because if you want to move forward and grow you're never going to be able to do that if you're always being pulled down and and you know surrounding yourself with people that are just focused on the past that are focused on the rear view mirror and not the front windshield and you can also have to limit those people where every time you give them you tell them an idea you tell them one of your goals that you have or a dream and they're like oh it's not going to work or they always point the negatives yeah you, you got to have support and another thing too like you mentioned you gotta have someone that you know tells you how it is and are real with you and you know that's my spouse for me she, you know she tells me how it is she tells me straight uh you know and that that makes me a better person as a result right so i'm just so grateful that she pushes me every single day to be my best self and uh you know we've come a long way so it's it's exciting we're excited uh you know we're on the move uh we're we're 10xing the size of our team this year and uh you know we we just we want to help a bunch of people get to where they want to go uh one of our biggest goals really is to is to help 10 people make 100k uh you know in the next 4 years and so you know just really providing that big vision so that people can fit into that. I, I, I think that's so huge. Again, when we go back to dreams, I mean, it gets crushed through life. We get that job maybe because we're getting money and then 10 years rolls down and then we're not where we want to be or that dream we had. And I'm kind of thankful that I matched at least trial for a high level football team with my last year of eligibility. And even though I didn't make it, I was pretty crushed. I ate two boxes of ice cream sandwiches the day I got a cut, but <laughs> but then one, it's hey, at least I had the opportunity. I at least went for it where most people wouldn't. And second, just because you no know, one avenue, because I love football. I don't know why I'm drawn to it. Doesn't mean maybe one day I couldn't coach. I, I can do whatever in the football industry, or maybe have a football podcast or a talk show where I can interview football players. Who knows, right? So it's having again having that big vision. What else is possible? And and. I guess going back to mindset tips, how do you, how do you I guess create that big vision for yourself? How do you kind of, what would be some tips on how to either one to get a big vision, but how to maybe maintain that vision? Yeah, sure. So again, it's it's all about looking inwards to yourself and realizing what you want out of life, and then from there, looking at a platform that's going to help you achieve that, but also having people come with you, right? And so your your vision really comes from from the belief that you have in your own self and what you believe you're capable of doing. And then that will start your vision. And then from there, again, it's just bringing people and attracting people into your life that's going to help you realize that vision for you and for the people that you surround yourself with, the people that you're bringing into your vision, right? And again, it's all about creating a large enough vision so that the people that you're attracting can see themselves build their vision within your vision. It's like building a company within a company. It's the same concept. 
Yeah, and I always I always like to use football as an analogy because again I love football. It's, but again, you, you come to an organization, a professional player, even hockey. Let's use Edmonton for example. I don't know how good we're. I think we're doing all right. But I haven't wa- I haven't watched. I'm not sure. Yeah, we'll <laughs> wait till the playoffs hopefully. But uh, again, if you come to an organization say like the Edmonton Oilers, first of all, if the coach doesn't have a vision for the team where you're going, there's no player who's going to want to even try hard or stay with the organization. And quite example, I'm not sure who this, but it was because uh, the NFL, they only have about 16 games. And obviously it's a lot more, uh, there's higher stakes because like, compared to say 82 games, there's every game matters more so. And there, and obviously there's a certain point this season where you know a team's not going to make the playoffs just statistically, percentage-wise. And there was one coach. I think the team, the people must have knew on the team because they have won the many games, but the coach actually said, hey guys, we're not making the playoffs this year. And he got fired this year. Well, of course, who wants to fire a coach who's going to be like, tell the team, be up front, hey, guys, we're not going to make it. Instead of saying, hey, guys, let's go out there, let's kick some ass, let's give it all you got. And, again, that's so prime. You need someone who has a vision, who understands people, can relate to, relate to someone and and show the path. And so it's in business, it's in family, it's in sports. It's in everything. Everything. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and I know one thing to get people in peak state is fitness, you know. Mm. and whether I think it's you should be at least moving at least 20 minutes a day minimum a few times a week because again you get a heart rate going you feel better you feel energetic and for some reason you can't be sad after a workout just doesn't happen you just feel great you just feel great you have that energy and uh, you know having a strong morning routine is such a key thing now what's your what's your routine like what's your being like so it's it's probably changed over the years for sure it's definitely you know evolved as well as you're constantly shifting and pivoting. I mean, I'll give you an example. Like this morning, I was wanting to get up earlier than I did, right? But then I got up and I shifted, I pivoted. I kind of, you know, fit my workout, uh, you know, during a meeting when I was just plugging in, listening. And so you're constantly shifting. But basically, like the the short kind of version of what my morning routine looks like, I wake up, uh, immediately I got to do something physical. I got to get my blood flowing because of just the benefits that that does for you, your clarity, your, your mental, you know, your, your cognitive ability, everything like that. There's so many benefits, uh, you know, to actually working out in the morning. Um, you know, so I do a workout between, you know, usually half hour to an hour. I try, I try. Um, and then after that, it's reflection time. It's, it's journaling and writing down my goals for that day. What am I going to achieve today? So I write those one or two things down that I'm, you know, focused on for the day. What's my play? What's my focus? That's what I write at the top. And underneath, I write those two goals. And then I write my affirmations so that I'm constantly reminding myself of where I'm going and who I'm becoming. And and that's the most important key is knowing who you're becoming. And the key to having a, a, the, a strong morning routine is when you can control your morning and your evening, you can better control the events that occur throughout your day, right? And so having an evening routine is just as important as having a morning routine. And I think that's where a lot of people miss. And I I, I wasn't having a, like, I didn't have an evening routine for a long, long time uh, until I listened to Ed Milet. And he started talking about his evening routine and, you know, just being able to Acknowledge what you've done during the day, reflecting on how your day went, uh, you know, thanking yourself for keeping the promises you made to yourself that day, 
And, you know, if you didn't quite do everything that you wanted to do, just give yourself grace and, and, you know, just allow yourself to, you know, thank yourself for the, for the effort and the work that you put in and then, you know, have a great night's sleep, you know, sleep is everything. Right. So that, that drives everything. Oh yeah. I think too often people, you know, Netflix will get you hundred percent because it plays episodes without even pressing any buttons anymore. And, crazy. And again, people you hear say they're too tired to wake up at X time or too tired to do whatever at the evening, but then they'll watch another half hour to two hours of Netflix and go to bed. And then again, you wake up in a react, reactive, reactive very state where you hit the alarm. Oh, you're five minutes late, 10 minutes late. You rush to get your clothes on, stuck in traffic, tons of emails. Instead of, you know, getting control your morning. Taking, for me, my thing is I have a French press coffee. I don't have a curing much, but it's that simple five, 10 minutes of making my coffee in the morning. And it's sitting there is such so peaceful and it just makes me so relaxed and calm where and then uh, when i go to work and nothing really bothers me as much as if just waking up in the snooze button and just flying out the door and i think you mentioned something important is um giving yourself grace and being grateful for your life and i had a coach who said it doesn't matter kind of what you do he's like the goal is in regards to get one percent better every day mm. so just get one percent better every day you don't have to be leaps and bounds every day and and again, I think too often, one, we're not as grateful. We're kind of hard on ourselves. And I think in combination with that is with our social media, everything comes to us with a touch of button, you know, skip the dishes, yeah. Amazon, yeah. that we expect everything to be like that. We want to change, but then it takes time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, like, again, going back to you giving yourself grace, number one. And by the way, you know, for everybody that's listening to this, I'm not perfect. And I never claimed to be perfect. I mean, you a couple of days, couple of day, <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> but uh, a couple of days ago, I mean, I wasn't feeling, you know, Sandra and I, we were feeling that well. And, uh, you know, I, I was kind of slipping out of my, my routine and my habits and my, my rituals and that. And, you know, it's, it's so easy. It's so easy to just slip into, you know, that, that little slump or that lull or whatever you want to call it. And so I just want people to realize that I'm not saying that I'm perfect and I do, you know, everything that I'm telling you guys every single day, uh, you know, but I've, I've refined my process over time. So, yeah. And one thing I got to ask you is um, that Gymshark shirt. Um, uh, Cause uh, I'm not sure you, you probably know Steve Cook. I do. I yeah. love that. He was uh, when I first got started to training. So I'll give you a little backstory of my fitness journey. Um, I did because out of spite, because my girlfriend high school sweetheart broke up with me. And like, I'm going to show her everything is jacked. And I just fell in love with the fitness. But happened Steve, for you. Yeah, it happened for me. And Steve Cook is one of those people um, in the industry, at least from my perspective, my opinion. He, um, he's, he gives tons of great information. And he's a person, again, He's he looks amazing, but he's not like, okay, do this, look at me. He's like, do what you want. Like, do it's something fitness that makes you enjoy it and just get healthy. And that's something, a message that I love that he preaches. Yeah, for sure. I don't know too, too much about him. I've, I've heard of him. I was on Clubhouse uh, about a week ago and he was talking and, uh, you know, what he's doing is amazing with, with his company and uh, the, the direction that they're moving in and just providing that, that inspiration for people and just saying like, hey, you know, like you said, you don't have to be that perfect, you know, model, that perfect, uh, you know, person that's like working out every single day and just 
do do what's comfortable for you, right? And push your own limits and be your own competition, right? And I think that message right there really resonates with with a lot of people out there right now. And uh, you know, the gym shark shirt, um, it's comfortable. So it, it, it's it's probably the nicest shirt, like the nicest t shirt that I've ever worn, honestly. And uh, so anyway, my uh, so Sandra, her brother, he's huge into fitness and that. And he loves Gymshark. And so we got some Gymshark uh, swag for Christmas. So that's kind of the backstory on the shirt. But yeah, I love what Steve Cook is doing, uh, his message. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's really inspirational. Yeah. What are some books? Because I know I'm, for me, ring again, it's touch and go for me, but I just started crushing some books recently. What are some, I guess, maybe a couple books that, you know, people either are interested in personal development. And I always like to say, I think there's sometimes a stigma or a misconception of personal development. Like I said, people think, I think personal development, just like think positive and you'll be good. But what it actually is, is, is uh personal development, in my opinion, is like creating that self-awareness, hmm. figuring out who you are, what you value, what you like, what you dislike, and kind of taking that and navigating through life. Um, so what are maybe some like books, maybe if someone's like just interested, maybe some couple books they should read upon. Uh, when it comes to personal development books and whatever, you know, business books and all that kind of stuff, it's all dependent on like where you are in your journey. Everyone's different in their own journey. And, uh, so I never want to be the one to like tell someone, Hey, this is a good book for you because really people who are listening to this, I don't know where they are at in their journey, whether it's in their business or, you know, in their relationships, uh, you know, in their, in their careers, whatever the case is. So, I mean, I'm not, one to like prescribe books and that sort of thing. But I mean, one book that has made a, a big impact on me in my life and kind of talking more about like that fitness is Discipline Equals Freedom by Jocko Willink. You know, and just the, he really, really displays really well what are the actual health benefits, like the the very concrete health benefits of, of working out, right? And, and having you know, that fitness mindset of working out, you know, 20 to 30 minutes every single day and just being consistent, you know, and, and I mean, that book has made a huge impact on me. And so I would recommend that book, um, especially towards the fitness mindset. I would have to read that. I heard it was a good book. It's phenomenal on my list. But yeah, jo- and the one thing about Jocko is he actually does what he says. You know, I think sometimes there's too often, especially in social media, it's what the hell is a social media influencer? Like, how do you, right? And you, you can rent, you can, you can actually rent jet sets and yeah. buy on rent Lambos and yeah. look cool. But yeah. Jocko, if you look at his Instagram, half his pictures is watch at 4.30 a.m. taking a picture and, and then afterwards is him sweating. So oh, it yeah. actually does. And he's not in the military anymore, but he's still d- disciplined, still wakes up, create that habit, probably enjoys it. And then has the benefits because of it. Absolutely. I mean, that's when, when people are looking at, you know, a, a role model or, you know, someone to follow and to, to model from, you really got to look at, okay, have they achieved what they're saying they've achieved? Do they have that track record of success, right? Are they doing the things that they're talking about on a, on a constant daily basis? And is there proof of concept? Is there proof of what they're telling you is actually they're doing it. Number one, number two, is it actually working for them? Are they actually gaining results and success and creating, or they have the life that you aspire to have? And that's so so important again, because again, socially those people who don't practice what they preach, it's fluff. And I think you know people sometimes can be misled and think this is going to work, and well. 
they find out that person is not doing what they say or maybe a personal trainer who's overweight, doesn't actually work out, but tells people what they do. And then people lose confidence and they're like, hey, this doesn't work. And then they can go back to those habits that thought they were better and think that's unfortunate sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. It's like what Grant Cardone says, you can fake a Lambo, but you can't fake a jet. (laughs) (laughs) that's so true Uh, and for people who want more information say they're listening to this you know hey i like what jeremy said about mindset or hey i kind of interested in maybe checking out the financial industry or maybe getting a second opinion on what i'm doing where um where, where can people find you yeah instagram facebook so instagram is jeremy larue and facebook is just regular handle jeremy larue and how so, would you spell out just in case people yeah don't absolutely spell j-e-r-e-m-i-e for jeremy larue is l-h-e-u-r-e-u-x all right that's awesome yeah and hopefully you know a couple people get direct and you know my my my, my goal is if i can help one person that's that's amazing and one person can be positively influenced yeah i really hope that you know we're able to provide some some value for people and and actually be able to help people you know and in you know the struggles that they're facing the challenges that they're facing i really hope that we were able to bring some value today so one question i have for you peter is like if you were to tell your 20 year old self right now what are what's some advice that you'd give to oh, that's a good question hmm. I think some of, some of what we talked about today is um, one, um, probably have patience that okay, mm-hmm. nothing's going to come to you overnight. It's going to take some work. And I think I would say stick to your core values and beliefs. I think for me personally, um, I'm kind of, a, I, was like, I would say I'm kind of like a chameleon. I like, especially in um, romantic relationships, I, I can I can look at my past or fact that I would meet a woman, get into a relationship with her, and then I would shift some things I liked or did. And be kind of changes a person, but instead of maybe just adhere to my own 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 self, my own values, and stick to my path. And I think that's why I tell myself have patience, stick to your path, and I guess that everything will work out if you if you trust in yourself. I think that's yeah. something. How about yourself? What would be some things you would tell? Let's say eighteen year old self or maybe high school self, Jeremy. You came, uh, coming out of high school, what would you tell yourself? Yeah, I mean that's an easy one for me. It'd be just set aside my ego, set aside my ego. You know, stop. Stop, you know, thinking that, you know, I'm the best thing since sliced bread and and just really, you know, humbling myself, mm-hmm. you know, and, and obviously through the journey of, you know, what I've been on through, you know, my business and, and you know, just the people that I've associated myself with over the years, I've, I've humbled myself. And, you know, again, it's not about me. It's about we. Right. And so just putting the ego aside and and just being humble right from the get go, because you know, it, it slows people down. It does. Big uh, time. In, in the industry, it's, it's, you could be, again, a professional athlete, someone who runs a, a very successful business and think they know everything. There's nothing more to learn, nothing more to do. But if you look at the highly successful people, um, do you know who Jerry Rice is, by the way? Heard of the name, name? but I'm not quite He might be a guy you might enjoy reading about or uh, watching a documentary. So he was uh, considered one of the best uh, wide receivers in football. And... They just won the Super Bowl, I believe, one year. And he then I think one of his teammates was at the facility, I think three days after, either getting some personal belongings or whatever. And he saw Jerry Rice running sprints. Right. Right after winning a championship. And how often is uh how often that there's a lot of teams who win one championship and they fall off because people get complacent. They're they made it, they're the man, they're the woman, and then then they don't get back to the spot they once were. Yeah, and it's 
you know, talking about football, since you're such a big football fan, uh, you know, Brady. Oh, yeah. I mean, look at him. You know, he's there's a reason why he is where he is going to his 10th Super Bowl. You know, it's because he puts in the work and he's consistent. And, you know, in the offseason, he he's 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 in the gym, man. Like he's cranking in the gym. He's getting better. Well, other people are golfing. And and that consistency compounded it. I mean, look at his career. It's it's inspirational. Yeah, I'm a huge Tom Brady fan. Like huge. I can see you got the <laughs> got the Pats hat going on. Oh yeah. oh yeah. And yeah, exactly. He has something uh he mentioned um that when he was younger that you know his body was hurting, then wasn't functioning the way it should, and then basically dedicated his life to being healthy, being functional, and it's served him because he doesn't get hurt at all. He doesn't take big hits. He's always healthy. And you're right, you know, his famous um, – he's in his 21st season, so 21 years in the NFL, which is a – people only last me a couple of years, five years. Um, he's been – so 21 seasons. He's played in 19 seasons out of 21. One, he was injured, one, he was back up. Out of those 19 seasons he's played, he's been to 10 – he's going to his 10 Super Bowl, so over 50%. So he's his statistically he has more chance of making the Super Bowl than Steph Curry's is to make a three point shot. It's crazy. And his famous quote is: "People always ask him like, what's your favorite ring? He's won six championships, and his famous quote is: my favorite ring is the next one.' Yeah, right. And even now he's forty three. He thinks he can play past forty five. And yeah. and it's that mentality, that mindset, the dedication, the kind of things what we talked about. He has a a good mindset, great great relationship with his family and spouse." And even now, they understand his goals, his passion. And for the Super Bowl, he actually made him leave the house for 12 days to repair himself, even though he's been there 10 times. Yeah. And I think that's, again, something that people can take. Hey, you know, whatever you're going to do is going to take some dedication. It's going to take some time and effort. But it's, you're going to enjoy it. You're going to have the right people there. And it's going to take work. It's not going to just come easy. And I guess a, a message. What's a, maybe a final message, some thoughts you want the people with? Uh, first off, look inward, not outward, figure out what you want in life and then go after it and don't let anybody slow you down. Exactly. Well, dream big, dream big. Hey man, I think that's a perfect way to end this. So I want to say thank, thank you for being on here, man. It was awesome to catch up and hang out a bit and it was awesome seeing you. Hey man, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Such an honor to be on your show. I think what you're doing is amazing. And, uh, you know, at Jeremy Lou, go follow me. Let's connect. All right. Thank you.